Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of the student ministers here. Uh, as Troy said, we've just finished a series in Romans, uh, at, in Acts, about to start in Romans. If you've had a little bit of an Old Testament itch, I've got good news for you today. Psalm 119. I'll pray and we'll begin. Lord God, as we come before your word, I pray that you would speak to us. Would the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this is a wonderful psalm that we're looking at. It's actually quite a baffling psalm, I feel, as well. It's baffling because the way that the psalmist speaks about God's law, I don't think really makes sense to a lot of us. I'll just illustrate with a couple of verses in particular. How about these three? So verse 14, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches, like I've won the lottery. I rise at midnight to thank you for your righteous judgments. Why are you so tired? I've just been up late praising God for the law. What about this one, verse 131? I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. The way that this guy speaks about the law, I think, is actually quite baffling to us. And I think there's some good reasons for that. One would be that we are good Protestants. We know that we're saved by grace alone and not the law. And that's true, and that's fantastic. But what that can mean is that we end up with a negative view of the law. We are anti-law. We're allergic to it. We think that it is bad. We think that it is our enemy. That's one thing that's going on for us. The second thing that's going on for us is our culture. Our culture does not think that life, joy, peace, fulfillment is found under law. It just doesn't think that. Our culture thinks that you need to express who you truly are and any person or institution that puts rule over you is a barrier to that freedom. Life is found in freedom, not in law. And we might not believe that, but we're breathing that in every day, and I think that that affects us too. So for that reason, we find it hard to look at this and go, yeah, that's how I relate to the law. We breathe that in. Is it any wonder then that we're surprised by this guy who speaks about the law like he's just come back from a date, right? Like we look at this and we're like, I just don't, I can't access what this guy has because he doesn't seem burdened by the law. He doesn't seem restricted by the law. He seems to love the law. He seems to delight in it. What is it about the law that he is seeing? Well, I think that one thing, that it, one thing is that he understands what the law is. Now, that's important for us to think about because this whole psalm is basically about the law. In fact, in Psalm 119, there are eight different words for the law. You might have picked up some of them as we went through, words like law, words like precepts, promises, statutes, God's word, God's judgments, God's rulings. Now, the point of all those different words is not that you get bogged down in the, in the differences between them. He's trying to give a multifaceted picture of God's word to us and its effect on our lives. Okay? What is that picture? Well, let's try and understand what the first hearers would have heard when they heard the word law. Yes, it means the laws in Leviticus, the do's and don'ts, but the word is also used of all the, five, the first five books of the Old Testament. That's what they would have heard when they heard law. So yes, it is those commandments, but it's those commandments in the wider story of God's faithfulness to them. 
That's what they would have heard. When they hear law, they're hearing, yeah, God asking me to do things in the context of the fact that God has lovingly called me into covenant with him. He has been faithful to me in the past. God has given us future hope, and we trust that he will come through on those things. And in the meantime, he has given us law to guide us. That's what they're hearing when they hear the word law. In fact, later on, this word law gets applied to the whole Old Testament, right? It is, it is commands in the context of relationship. That's what the law is. Yes, it is the do's and don'ts. It, it, of course it is that. But it is in the context of the wider story of God's faithfulness to them. So that's what the law is. And I think that's actually the same for us now. That's the same for us now. God's law to us, we just spent a whole, whole term in Sermon on the Mount if you're in gospel teams. God in the New Testament gives us law to live by. And we too understand it by putting it in the story of God's wider, wider faithfulness to us. God has saved us not by the law, into relationship with him. He has given us future hope that he will come through on. And now he guides us in how we should live now. And we understand that law not by disconnecting it from that wider story, but by placing it in that wider story. That's what the law is. Now, even though a lot of us believe that, that doesn't mean that we would describe the law like the psalmist does. A lot of us aren't staying up at night thanking God for it, opening our mouth and panting for it, right? So what is going on with this guy? Because he, he's got a next level that I think a lot of us don't have, and I think that a lot of us want. I think that what's going on for him is he not only understands what God's law is, he understands what God, God's law does, for him, God's law frees, God's law gives life, and God's law guides. When I was a high school teacher, I did an experiment every single year with my Christian studies classes. I'd have the boys come in and I'd say, boys, welcome, it's great to have you. Normal lesson today, normal expectations, just one extra rule for today. You're not allowed to look at the back wall. Apart from that, completely normal, have a seat, let's get started. You see, I'd see some guys, they try and do it straight away, right? Which just, that just kind of tells you something about the human heart, doesn't it? Like some guys, and I'd say, don't look at the back wall. And they'd, they'd sit down, and they'd be like, why? What's on the back wall? And I'd be like, boys, just trust me, don't look at the back wall. Ten minutes in, it, some guys looked like they were about to faint, right? They're like... Summoning all of their courage, all of their restraint. Don't look at the back wall. And they, on, and because you, I can see what's going on in their heads. You know what's going on in their heads, right? They're like, this must be the most interesting wall in the world. <laughs> Otherwise, why would he say, "Don't look at it"? He knows that it's, it would be amazing to look at it. That's why he said, "Don't look at it." Isn't, doesn't that tell you something about what the natural human heart thinks about law? Doesn't it? Isn't this basically what Satan said to Eve? Hey, you know why God talked to you about that tree? You know why he said don't eat from that tree? Because it's the best one. Because it's the best one. This is just for free. Go back and read that chapter. What, apart from the fact that God said don't eat from it, implies at all 
that it was even the same quality as the other ones. But you see it in art. You see it in movies. You see the fruit on that tree. It's like the best apple in the world, right? Like you see the way that it's portrayed. There's nothing in the scriptures that implies that it's better. But our heart says that, it's, that it is. Satan says it is the best tree. God is robbing you. God is holding out on you. God's law is a barrier between you and life. Psalm 119 says that isn't how God's law works. And the psalmist knows it. Let's have a look at some verses. Verse 2. Happy are those who keep his decrees. Verse 165. This is a long psalm. Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. Do you see what God's law does? It is not turning you away from life. It is giving it to you. God isn't robbing you. He isn't holding out on you. He is turning you away from what is worthless. God's law is not a barrier to life. We find life within its space. That's what verse 45 says. Look at this verse. It's an amazing verse. I will walk freely in an open place because I seek your precepts. Does that sound like someone who thinks that God's law is a restrictive prison? Sounds to me like someone who has found life. Think about the Sermon on the Mount series that we just did. When God says, stop lusting, kill lust in your life, it's not because he thinks that lust is great and he hates you and he doesn't want you to have this amazing thing. He knows that lust will kill you. He's not, he's not holding out on you. He is calling you out of death and into life by his law. Imagine if we actually believed this, if this is how we viewed God's law, that life was found within it. Now, why does, why does the psalmist believe this? I think that it is because he not only believes what the law does, he also believes the God who gave the law. The God who gives the law. What I'd like you to do is to go back to verses 1 to 3. So verse 1, how can a young man keep, oh sorry, um, how happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to whose instruction? The Lord's, Lord's in all caps. This is Yahweh's instruction. What that means is the psalmist is using God's personal name. This is the name that God gave to Moses when he was revealing who he is. It's God's covenant name. So, so what the psalmist says is, this isn't, isn't the, the law of some faraway God, some foreign king whose laws have just found their way around me. No, this is, this is the God who I know and trust and love. It is his law. 
I know the God who gave me this law and I trust him. Secondly, look at, look at verses 3 and 4. Something happens between verses 3 and 4 which changes the whole flow of the rest of the psalm. Three, they do nothing wrong. They follow his ways. He's talking third person there. The first three verses are third person talking about God. And then there's a flip in verse four. And the whole rest of the psalm flows like this. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. The whole rest of the psalm is addressed to God. This whole psalm, this whole reflection on God's law, it's done in relationship with God. This is a God that he knows. And that's so important because his knowledge of God shapes the way that he thinks about God's law. Look at these verses. Verse 68, you are good. What you do is good. Teach me your statutes. God is good, so I trust that the law is good. Secondly, verse 73, your hands formed me. Sorry, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commands. The hands that knit you together in your mother's womb are the same hands that inscribe the Ten Commandments. They're the same hands that guide you now. They're the same hands that were thrown around sinners. They're the same hands that in Jesus were extended upon a cross. That is the God who gives you the law. And how much more should we than this psalmist know that that's true? Right? He's just putting it in the context of God's faithfulness that he's seen. And God had been faithful to Israel at that point. How much more should we be able to look at God's law and go, I know the God who gave me this, and he's good. How much more should we be able to look when God's design, God's law says to us, here's how marriage should work. Here's how singleness should work. Here's how money should work. Here's how work and employment should work. Here's how our time should work. How much more should we be able to look at that law and go, I know that it is good. Because I know the good God who gave it to me. When I am at Cronulla, be prepared, Sutherland Shire analogy coming in right now. (laughs) When I'm at Cronulla and I go to the beach, which is for Shire people, that's sort of like a tractor beam. You can't even help. You just arrive there sometimes. Oh, I'm at the beach, right? Uh, It's a tractor beam that pulls us in. This is also kind of like a Mike Leet honorary analogy because it's about the beach. I'm just trying to help us adjust. (laughs) When I go to the beach, I do not think that the lifeguards who arrived there that morning arrived at the beach and they went, you know what we should find out? We should figure out where the funnest bit is. Oh, it's over here. You know what we should do? Let's put the flags in a different bit so that everyone has a bad time. I don't think that they do that. When I arrive at the beach, I think that they have put the flags where they're supposed to go because they understand the beach better than me. I I don't even know. There's just a bunch of zinked up teenagers. I don't know them. But I think that they just understand the beach better than me. They, They can see rips that I can't see. They can see currents that I can't see. And they have put the flags in a place where that leads to my life and freedom. 
I walk in an open space because of those flags. If you are willing to trust that with a bunch of zinked up teenagers you don't even know, how much more should you trust a life giver than a life guard, right? How much, how much more should you be looking at the God who gave you Christ and trusting that his law is good? How does this look in our lives to do this? God's law and us. How can we get something more of what the psalmist has? This is our final section. The psalmist meditates on God's law. I think that's a key part of his relationship with God's law. Verse 15 says that. I'll read out verse 15 for you. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. 16, I will delight in your statutes. This idea of meditating. Now, don't get me wrong. That word's got a lot of baggage. Right, that, that, the word meditate's got a lot of baggage. Let me just say this. Meditation is not about emptying your mind of something. It is not about disconnecting. It is about putting something in your minds and keeping it there. Right? That what the psalmist is doing, he's not, he's not emptying his mind. He's focusing on God and the law that he has given. Right? He's, he's sitting under it. He's, he's letting it wash over him. He's holding Onto it. He's yearning, he's getting everything he can out of it. Not just in an academic way. This should, this should change the way that our, our Bible reading looks because it's relational, right? He's not just diving deep in a textbook. He is walking with God deeply on his word. That's what he's doing. That's what meditation is. He is meditating on God's word. Now, what are some things that make it difficult for us to do that? I think one thing is, what about if there are issues that we, particular issues that we struggle with with God's law, right? I think that he has actually been there, right? Look at these first two verses, but here's his response to that. He doesn't go, okay, what I'm going to do with this issue I struggle with, I'm going to carve that out, I'm going to change what, what the Bible says. No, what he does is he brings that to God, the God that he knows, the God that he trusts, Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes. I know the law's good. I just don't see it right now. I, like this bit, I'm just struggling to see how it's good. But I trust you. Would you open my eyes? Secondly, verse 27, help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things. Reveal to me the meaning of your precepts because I trust you and I'm going to walk with you on this. That's what we should do with issues that we're struggling with with God's law. For some of us, it's not an issues thing. It's a seasons thing. We're, we're just trying to stay afloat, right? Like we're just trying to survive right now. That, that's where we're at. And the wrong impression of this psalm, you, I, I highly recommend you read this whole thing. It's amazing. This guy is not some sort of life-proof, toxically positive, energizer bunny who does not live in the real world. There's all these verses in there that just sort of jump out and seem so much in contrast with the rest of them. Look at these two. Verse 28, I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through you. This is in the same psalm as the panting verse. Hey, what's going on for this guy, right? Like, I am weary from grief. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted 
And yet, that does not change for him his relationship with God and his law. He still trusts that God is good. He still trusts the law is good. And he knows that there is open space living in the midst of it. For some of us, however, the issue is about obedience. That's a tricky thing. Maybe a question that some of us need to ask is, are there areas in which you are trusting what Satan says about the law? Are you thinking that the wall's interesting? Are there areas of your life that you're not giving over to him, areas where you're tolerating sin, areas where you're just holding bits back? Is what's going on in your mind when you do that, I want to retain life? What this psalm says is, no, 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 life is found on the other side of the law. The, the law leads you to life. And, and don't get me wrong, this is not always easy. We read in verse 5, he says, if only my ways were committed in keeping his statutes. This guy is struggling just the same as you. But what he does is, he casts all of it within the broader picture, the broader backdrop of God's faithfulness. Right? You're not saved into relationship with God by obeying the law, but I try to obey it because of God's wider faithfulness. Despite his stumbles, despite his issues, despite his afflictions, this man trusts that the law leads to life and that God is faithful. Why don't you pray with me that we'll find that same open space to walk in. Lord God, thank you that you have given us your law. Thank you that you are good and that what you do is good. God, we, as we read the way that this man lives, we, we want some of that, God. I pray that you would do work in our hearts, that by the Spirit you would reveal things that are blocking us from getting to where he is. Would we know what your Lord does? Would we trust in who you are? And God, please help us to find more of the open space that you graciously give us through your law. Amen.